Know Your Food with Warty, Episode 84. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at Ganalfglins.com and KnowYourFoodPodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening. I do tend to get up early on the day these podcasts are released and uh, record an introduction and then send you off on your way when the interview's done. Uh, So for me, it's morning, and I am drinking... Um, my lemonade water that I told you about a few weeks ago, I did want to mention if you go to the blog canalfcleanse.com or knowyourfoodpodcast.com, look for a recent post called Start Your Day With This, and you'll see a recipe for the lemonade water that I mentioned a few weeks ago. A lot of you expressed interest, asked for the recipe, so I put it up um, probably one or two weeks after I mentioned it here on my podcast. So go check it out. Well, you know what? I figured I would pause that for just a moment and create an easy link for you. So all you have to do is go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash lemonade, and you'll see that blog post. Start Your Day With This talks about the importance of starting your day with a refreshing drink of water and gives you a recipe for my lemonade, lemonade water. Let's go to the tip of the week. This is about saving your heirloom tomato seeds. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but saving seeds is very easy to do. However, with tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, um, there's something a little bit different. You employ a fermentation when you save um, tomato seeds. Now, we've got a step-by-step tutorial on the blog. All you have to do is go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash tomato seeds to see pictures and more in depth. But let me just give you a quick recap here. This is a tutorial that's led by Melissa. And she's a wonderful gardener and works a lot with heirloom seeds. And so these are her directions. First of all, you select the plant. Um, You want to choose a plant that's free from disease and also a high producer, because that's a plant you definitely want um, to save, save the seeds. You let a tomato on the plant get overripe, almost overripe, because you don't want to save seed from an unripe tomato. Those seeds would be unlikely to sprout in little. So you pick your ripe, your overripe tomato, you scoop out the seeds. For, well, to do so, you cut the tomato in half lengthwise. You can use your fingers or a spoon and you scoop out the seeds and make sure to, um, along with the seeds, gather that gelatinous membrane that's kind of around them. Put them in a clean glass jar. Melissa uses a phyto jar without the rubber seal so she can close it, but still a bit of air can get in and out. You could also put a cheesecloth on top of a mason jar. How about a cloth napkin secured by a rubber band? Or you could even do plastic wrap with holes poked into it for a little airflow. Then you're going to let the seeds ferment for three to five days. Just let them sit out at room temperature. Once every 24 hours, stir the seeds then put the lid back on. You want to see scum developing on this fermentation. Um, it can smell, so Melissa suggests putting it in the garage if the smell is a little off-putting. 
And what's happening during this fermentation is the seeds are separating from the gel. That gel inhibits germination. The seeds need to separate from it. This fermentation is also reducing the uh, spread of any seed-borne diseases. So by doing this fermentation, you're going to get an increased germination rate when you plant them and healthier plants. This is a process that mimics nature. So once that fermentation is over, then, and you'll know that because the seeds are separating from the gel and there's mold forming on top that you've, um, you know, has been happening during the fermentation. Um, then you're going to rinse and drain the seeds. This is just easy by putting them in a bowl of water. The healthy seeds are going to sink to the bottom. And those are the seeds that you then want to rinse, remove any remaining gel or debris, place these healthy seeds in a fine mesh sieve and let them drain fully, and then blot them dry with a clean cloth towel. Um, next is just to dry them out fully. You can place them on a glass dish or a plate. Make sure there's a space between each seed so they're not touching. You're going to put them in a warm place out of direct sunlight for several days to dry out. Um, if they begin to sprout as they've dried out, as you're drying them out, that means they actually fermented too long. So you plant them right away or you need to throw them out. Um, but the viable seeds we're saving are the ones that are just going to dry out. They're not going to sprout during um, this drying out period. You're going to check them regularly for signs of mold or mildew, especially um, in the beginning when they're pretty wet. You also want to flip them over once or twice a day just to make them fully dry out. And when they are fully dry, that's when they're done. You can save them, store them, um, an envelope or a clean dry glass jar and keep them in a cool dry dark place until the next planting season. So I pretty much covered all the steps but you can see beautiful pictures and refer to these instructions by going to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash tomato seeds and just in case it occurred to me tomato is spelled t-o-m-a-t-o -T -O. there's no e on the end of tomato seeds so it's tomato seeds one word. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing that. And I was just really pleased to share it as this week's tip of the week. And now for this week's question, it comes from Kathy. She says, and it's a little bit of a departure from the usual questions, but Kathy asked this and also two other people have asked it on the blog. So I'm answering it. Kathy says, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind having as one of your resources some recommended podcasts to listen to. I've heard you mention a few in your podcast, how you're listening to this one or that one and how much you enjoy them. I would greatly appreciate this. Thank you so much for all your wonderful information. I so love listening to your podcast and everything you do. Well, thank you, Kathy. I so love your feedback and your questions. You and I are able to correspond fairly regularly and I really appreciate um, you. So I'm happy to talk about the podcasts that I listen to. They do change. Um, you know, sometimes I get tired of one. So what I'm and you know, move on or find a new one. So um, this is kind of what I'm into now and maybe some others I have been in the past. Um, it's not going to be a huge list. I want to give you things that will be helpful, even though my interests lie um, not only in podcasts about health and nutrition and food, but and homesteading, but I also listen to business development and productivity podcasts because I'm running a business. And, you know, that kind of leadership and development, um, no matter what we do in life, I think it can help anyone. So that's why I'm going to mention it. Even if you don't, even if you or others that are listening only want health and wellness, you might be, you might want a little bit, you might be interested in some different things too. So I'm just going to mention them. 
Well, first of all, I'm going to talk about the two podcasts that I listen to, um, or several that I listen to kind of in this topic. Of course, anything over at the Survival Mom Radio Network, and that URL is radio.thesurvivalmom.com. Um, I especially love Tammy's and Melissa's podcasts. When you get to that website, you can kind of check out all the shows and all the hosts. Um, and of course, I especially love Tammy's and Melissa's and they do write for us at ganalfglins.com. So I am a little bit partial, but anything over there is going to be good. And also over there, the shows are all around a half hour. So many podcasts go, you know, an hour or more. These are a half hour. So for a busy woman or a busy anyone, um, it's, you know, an easier chunk to work into, you know, dishes take about a half hour. Going for a walk takes about a half hour. Weeding, you know, could take about a half hour. So it's just really good timing. And since my show is now on the Survival Mom Radio, my my um my podcasts are about a half hour. So um anyway, if you're listening over listening to my site or or over there, um you're getting about a half hour show. Um another one, this has recently come to my attention and um and this is where I got the idea to drink water every day. It's the Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. Um this he's got a number one health and fitness podcast. And I really enjoy it because I feel like even though I don't agree with everything and even though, I mean, he talks about ancestral eating and I, I don't get the feeling um, that he knows much about traditional foods. I still feel that he really knows a lot of good stuff on sleep and the chemistry of food and, you know, what food does in our body. And so I learn something every time, even though I don't always agree with everything. I haven't figured out his full stance on everything, but, you know, because it takes kind of a while to do that when you're listening to shows in chunks. But he and his um, co-host producer Jade are very entertaining and they have great information and great guests. So I really enjoy listening to that podcast. Um, uh, here's a little bit of a departure um, because I told you I listened to business and marketing and development podcast too. I listen a lot to Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. He's got guests that are just um, people that have really succeeded in what they do. And sometimes, in fact, the way I found out about Sean Stevenson, because he's very successful in his field, health and wellness, and he was a guest on Entrepreneur on Fire. And that led me then to Sean Stevenson's own podcast. And that's happened more than once. Um, these podcasts where they have guests that are succeeding in their fields, and you're like, oh, that's a really cool, you know, person, I'm going to go check that out. So I listened to on Entrepreneur on Fire. That is a Oh, 45 minute to one hour podcast every day, seven days a week. So I don't listen to all of them. I pretty much listen to the ones where the guest is like in this field or they have a really cool story. I do listen to This Is Your Life with Michael Hyatt. Um, actually, I haven't listened to that one lately, but I've listened to lots of episodes in the past, you know, whether it's being a leader, improving your marriage, um, you know, productivity, your work ethic, how you... I mean, it's just all about life. This is your life. So um, it's great. And since I'm a user of Infusionsoft, I recently um, found out about a, like the only podcast that deals with Infusionsoft, and that's called Infusioncast with Joshua Millage. 
And that's a great podcast. I learn a lot as an Infusionsoft user because I'm hearing his guests are people who use Infusionsoft and talking about how they use it to run their businesses. And I will be a guest on Infusionsoft, in, sorry, Infusioncast coming up here soon. Um, Joshua asked me and I said, yes. Um, now this is a podcast I haven't listened to yet, but I want to. But Nathan, the host of Rethink True Health, um, just recently contacted me about being a guest on his podcast and the things that he's into, CrossFit and traditional foods and um, urban homesteading really sound interesting to me. And I, I guess, in, and he does um, wellness coaching. And so I'm really interested to check out his podcast. So if you do that first, or you're already listening, maybe let me know what you think. Um, occasionally, the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund has occasionally or regularly, I'm not exactly sure, but they do have food activism and politics podcasts. So you could check that out. Um, for homesteading and farm, I love the Christian Farm and Homestead Radio with uh, Scott Terry. And um, I've been a guest on his show a couple times before and um, you can find his show at northcountryfarmer.com. And there's one more, and the name is just escaping me, but it's on, it's NPR. Oh, it's called Selected Shorts. So these actors, um, famous actors often, or people that are just really good at reading stories and coming, making them come alive, they're in New York, they're on, I don't know, some famous stage, and there's a live audience, and they are reading a story. But of course, you know, it's, it's an, it's a performance, they're acting it. And so the content matters sometimes hit or miss. But thankfully, you know, ahead of time, they'll tell you, like, this is adult content, or, or in the show synopsis, you can say, well, you know, uh, I'm not really interested in a thriller about monsters or serial killer. I'm not, not many of them are like that, but at least in the show synopsis, you can say, ah, that one doesn't really strike me. But they're stories. So if you love literature and stories, you know, maybe you're doing something, it's been a long, hard day, and you don't really want to listen to somebody talk about health and wellness, because you're just you're, you're or or fitness or food, because your mind has to be on. Um, maybe you just want to have some entertainment, some really good entertainment literature. Well, that's where the selected shorts come in. So like that, I listen to that when I'm tired. It's kind of like watching a movie. It's like let down and everybody's different. I know like, I know people who, well, like for me, you know, my, my letdown is things that are our entertainment. It's a book, a movie, or it's like selected shorts. Um, others, they're let down, their, their brains are still looking for information and that's relaxing to them. So they turn to nonfiction or they turn to, um, you know, um, more educational pursuits. So yeah, I'm pretty weak in that, <laughs> but you know, entertainment and just stories sure have their place. Overall, I would say the things that I love to listen to have great stories. I mean, if it's the guests, like, you know, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps kind of a story because they've succeeded in business or some great venture in life or turned their marriage around. I mean, those are the stories that speak to me. And so a podcast that's dry and doesn't have any stories, I don't keep it in my player. Um, oh, I just remembered another one. It's called Life in the Woods. This is for artists, um, mainly musicians, but you know, there's people on there that just have great stories. And it's a peek into the artist's life. And um, it's different. It's a little bit eclectic. But if you like artistry or musicians, um, that's a good podcast. 
So, Kathy, <laughs> I think I've kind of run the whole spectrum here for you. Um, hopefully you'll get something out of some of those shows. I sure would love to hear. And for anyone else who has questions for Know Your Food Podcast, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions and you can submit your questions. I love to get them, love to answer them on the air, and I look forward to hearing from you. Well, everyone, it's time to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Kathy Lapsovic. She is in Montana, right where I grew up. So our visit today was so fun to hear um, how she lives there and what it's like there because it just really struck a chord in me. And, you know, when you're talking to someone and you have the experience that they're talking about, um, it brings up emotions and feelings and you you know what they're talking about. So that's what today was like for me because she's in the Flathead Valley in Montana where I grew up and the things she's talking about, uh, the things she does, the type of people, it's what I know, how I grew up. So Kathy is from homespunseasonalliving.com. It's where you can also find her on Facebook. And the name of her site and what she does really tells it all. She is into homespun seasonal living. She's going to answer what those words mean, but I think you already can guess that she and her family are living and working and growing with the seasons. And they do a wonderful, inspiring job of it. And she's very talented um, in the things she does, whether it's gardening or preserving food or crafts. So when you go to homespunseasonalliving.com, you'll see all kinds of that inspiration. I hope you do check it out. Um, here is her bio officially. She's a writer, teacher, and a homebody, so am I, living in northwest Montana with her soulmate, Jeff. She enjoys a creative and simple life in which she seemingly hoards glass jars and seeds while sometimes herding cats, chasing honeybees with her camera, and letting composting worms slip through her fingers. She's a writer. She's written for the Costco Connection, Mother Earth News, Hobby, Farm Home, and many other national and regional publications. She also teaches classes on simple living and creative life in a do-it-yourself fashion. So she teaches at the local community college there. Um, she's a lifelong note taker and journal filler. And Kathy continues that tradition in electronic format with her blog, Homespun Seasonal Living. So thank you so much for joining me and Kathy today. You're really going to enjoy our visit. And if you've got any questions for Kathy or want to check out any of the links or things we mentioned, you can go to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 84. everyone. This is Wardy. I'm here with Kathy Lapsovic. Welcome, Kathy. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm excited. And I'll just fill our listeners in that you live in the Flathead Valley, which is where I grew up. So I can't wait to hear about the seasonal living you do up there. It's going to be wonderful. Everyone, Kathy's blog is homespunseasonalliving.com. And so, Kathy, let's just start out with um, getting to know you better. So tell us about you and your family. Tell us where you live. Tell us what you do up there in the Flathead. Okay. I'm blessed, as you said, to live in the Flathead Valley of Montana, which is just uh, on the western edge of Glacier National Park and not terribly far from the Canadian border. It's beautiful. And I live with my husband, Jeff, who happens to be uh, 21 years older than me. And so we have kind of an interesting family dynamic in that I don't have any children of my own, but... Uh, his children are, are older and adults and have children of their own, so I'm already a grandma. 
kind of became mm-hmm. one very young in life at like 25, but um, it's just a, a really wonderful kind of experience. And we you know, just love living in Montana. I love living on that. We live about on an acre and we call it a farm. It's not a traditional farm, but it's certainly kind of a rural farm. And we keep a very large garden and we live very seasonally and that we live very close to the earth and the natural seasons. And in Northwest Montana, you know, the joke is we have two seasons, winter and July. And while that's not exactly yeah. true, <laughs> it's not terribly untrue either some years. We <laughs> tend to have a very long winter and a short spring and short fall. And summer can can vary, but usually spring and, and fall are very fast here in, in northwest Montana. And it's a, a beautiful place to live. And, and it is just a, a great place of community and people who really do want to help each other and um, we just have a, a really blessed, great life and, and one that's very supportive of creative endeavors. So I can mm-hmm. write and do photography and work with local farmers and food companies and it's just a really amazing experience and, and I'm originally from Pittsburgh and I was really taken aback by just how wonderful Northwest Montana is and I'm so glad to call it home. I've been here oh, almost 15 years now so it's really okay. it's home now. <laughs> I was going to ask you that if you were from there or had relocated and what about your husband? Did he grow up there or did he relocated there? He had grown up in Missoula, Montana, so uh, you know about 150 miles kind of south of uh, where we live now. But he is originally from Montana, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, it sounds wonderful. And yeah. you know, having grown up there myself, I can just affirm everything you said. It's a wonderful, blessed place to live. People are very friendly and nice and support- supportive. And there's a lot of yeah. artistry going on uh, with the land and all kinds of um, directions that people take it, whether it's writing or drawing or sculpture or pottery. or And it's just a beautiful community. It's it wonderful. It so excited to dig into your part in it. Let's start with um, talking about the different activities that you do both online and locally. I mean, you're saying your site is homespunseasonalliving.com. So I'd like to know... Um, before before we speak practically about that, <clears throat> tell us what that means and why it's important, and then we'll get into the things you do around that. Okay. Uh, to me, uh, well, home is, to me, anyway, the most important place for all of us. And it, home is not necessarily the building, although obviously that's part of it, but it's really not the building so much as what we do in that space, what we call home, the people that are there. And it's not necessarily always the people who live there all the time, but the people who come and are part of that home. And home is just the most important spot to me. And it seems like everything emanates from home. And it does for all of us, I think, whether or not we necessarily realize it. If home life is good, then almost all parts of life are good. If home life is bad, then it kind of bleeds out into everything and so I, I kind of think of home as being, you know, the candle that we shine out into the world. And so if we can lead a life that's homespun, which, you know, can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For me, homespun does mean doing a lot of creative things, cooking a lot in the kitchen, but it's also just making sure that my life is being led from the home. Like that all the other stuff I do, whether it's professional or, or outside the home, that's important, but it's 
has to come from my home first. It has to come from my heart and my home. So everything comes mm-hmm. from there. And then seasonal living, of course, is just living a life that's in touch with the, the natural rhythms of the earth. And while that's very kind of trendy right now, it's also the oldest form of living known to mankind. You know, in in days before electricity, we all lived this way. We all lived very much in touch with the seasons because there was no other way to live. And so while I'm obviously not perfect, I mean, I live in northwest Montana. I do eat oranges in the winter that I've been trucked in from somewhere occasionally. I do try very hard to live as close to the earth as possible and just be in touch with that season. And that's what homespun seasonal living is. It's that my home and my life and my heart are in touch with the seasons and I'm living that life that's homespun, but also very much in touch with the natural world. It's not specifically an indoor home kind of life. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So um, walk us through some examples, um, the seasonal aspect of it, like, just take us through a year in the life of Kathy. Like, and start sure. now because it's fall. You're in the present. You're probably doing and thinking and feeling these things. So for you, what do you do and think and feel in the fall, the short fall? Right. <laughs> and then sure. walk us through it, winter it, and spring and July. <laughs> or so what we kind of do, you know, for us, for you know, the fall is very much about bringing in as much of the harvest as possible. And for us, that's our garden, but it's also the, a lot of wild foraging. We do mushrooms when we can find them. We, you know, do wild berries and, and we don't find a whole lot of nuts locally, but we try. And so that for us is we're just very much being in touch with that. And while we're being present in and enjoying the way the light is changing and we get outside as much as we possibly can, and we're, we're doing all this to enjoy and be present in this moment, we also try to make sure that we're preparing for the seasons ahead because for us that's a big part of our lifestyle and that we're, we have food for the winter because for us there isn't a whole lot of local food in the winter months and so we have to prepare ahead of time and that's what we're doing right now. There's a lot of pizza sauce making going on and you know, freezing of extra hot peppers so that we can have burritos in the middle of winter. And we do all of that in the fall while also just very much kind of starting to nest inside the home because it is cooler in the mornings, it is cooler in the evenings. We're not staying outside until 10 o'clock at night in Montana, the summers daylight for a, quite a long time but now we're starting to get darker and cooler and so my husband and I are inside more at night we're reading more at night rather than outside you know weeding the garden because things are changing and so that's how the fall goes for us we also start to bring in wood for the winter because if you want to have heat in the winter you're going to have to do it now because we only heat with wood and so that's what we're doing now, we're staying present in this moment, but we're also preparing for the next season ahead, which for us is a, a long one. And as we get into winter, and, you know, the seasons don't switch, <laughs> even though right. we kind of have it on our calendar, they don't switch overnight. They, it's a very gradual process. And so we just take cues from the earth and what we need to do. It's starting to get cooler, and some of our very tender plants in the garden are going to start to need covering you know, if we're ever going to have ripe tomatoes and things like that. So we take cues from the earth in what we need to be doing in our homes and how we need to just be paying attention to, you know, the geese flying south, you know, which I happen to mm-hmm. see the first very large uh, bee this morning, actually. So 
We do that. And we and then as we get into the as we start to get into winter, which for us we really do get our first snow usually right around uh the end of October, right around Halloween. The kids are always in their costumes um over snowsuits around here. But we kinda start moving into then and then we start building fires at, at night, maybe not so much during the day and 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 life again becomes more inside the home because it's cooler and we start to get very dark. Um, yeah, towards December, we only get maybe six hours of daylight come December. So we're very much hunkered down and we're very gray in the winter here. The clouds really settle in. And so it just kind of feels dark even during the day because Mm -hmm. the clouds and and we hunker in and and the, the life changes from being outside most of the time to one that's inside and our activities just naturally change. Obviously, we can't be outside working in the garden. And while we do try to make sure we get outside and go for a walk every day, we are doing more things like, well, I'm doing more knitting in the winter than I certainly do in the late summer because I just don't have time. And we're doing more reading. There's a lot more trips to the library. There's a lot more of those kinds of activities. And things that tend to fall away in the busyness of summer, because you're always enjoying that, come back in the late winter for us things like we play chess together my husband and I Mm -hmm. in the winter but we don't in the summer because we don't have time so that's how Mm -hmm. the winter kind of goes and we hunker down and then as we start to get towards spring you know the light starts coming back and it's beautiful and we're really noticing it and we might notice that when we're going out for our walks we start to hear some birds and so the seasons are changing and we slowly start making our way outside, we happen to tap our maples and that's kind of like the first sign that the earth is coming awake again for us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the maple sap is starting to run. Slow. So we tap our maples and, and that's usually somewhere in February for us, depending on, uh, it's very weather dependent. So February, March, and then seeds start getting planted in the greenhouse and things just slowly start gradually moving. And it happens Slowly and fast at the same time. It would feel like just last week there was nothing happening and then all of a sudden everything is starting to open up. You know, it's the most amazing thing. And our life starts to switch again from being inside to being outside and tapping maples and bringing in sap and cooking it down to syrup and to planting seeds in the greenhouse and checking on them obsessively because it's fun and we enjoy that. But, you know, checking to see what has sprouted today. And then we start... And and here it seems like even the community gets very kind of close. Everyone kind of hunkers down in February here. No one seems to like leave much. There's not a whole lot of community activities that go on. But then starting like March and April, the community starts to come awake again. People start coming out of their houses and, you know, their gatherings and people come to our farm and buy plants and seeds and and we just kind of start moving back outside. And then we start planting in the garden and we're harvesting and we're starting to preserve more food instead of just eating from the pantry like we do in the winter. And that's just mm-hmm. the year. And then we're right back to fall. It just kind of goes in this very smooth thing. And while it seems like it would always be the same, it really is different all the time. Every year is a little different. Every year has its own challenges and its own blessings. And every season brings certain things that are really wonderful and certain things that aren't so wonderful. But the trick is, I think, to just be really present in that. And and we get distracted so easily in our, our modern society with all our technology and all these things that distract us from that. But if we can be present, we're just so in touch and we can see all these really wonderful things that happen. 
Great. Well, that is just a beautiful journey through the seasons. What a, Thank you. What a, it's just wonderful. Um, Thank so you. you. I wanted to ask you a couple questions about it. You, you talked about we throughout it, which yes. gave me kind of a clear picture of you and your husband and your dogs. Isn't it your dogs? Yeah. That you no, we have cats. Yet? We have two cats, no dogs. Cats. And we have, okay, and we have bees and uh, bees and cats, and that's it. <laughs> So I'm imagining you and your husband and your cat doing all these mm. activities. And what about your grandchildren? Are they nearby, coming, going, visiting? How, what The extended family, to what extent do yeah. they take part in this seasonal living? They're actually, unfortunately, they live in, they all live in Spokane, Washington now. So they're not as, as present as, as we would like, but there are plenty of visits. And the, they're not as into the gardening. They're a little more uh, city folk. <laughs> Some of them mm-hmm. are, some of them are. You know how it kind of goes in families. Like um, yeah. one granddaughter just thinks it's grand, and the other one just thinks that it's pretty disgusting. So, yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of depends on them. And you know, and in my own family, it's the same way. Even though we grew up in a gardening family, I love it. My sister absolutely hates it. So mm-hmm. it just kind of depends. But um, we we make sure there's plenty of trips, and the the family has a lot of birthdays in June, so that tends to be a big month where we're just really um, spending time with everyone and and doing our yeah. best to just have fun and enjoy each other as much as possible. So we have this great picture of what you and your husband are doing on your acre there and then with family yeah. visits. But I know you do a lot of work in your community, teaching, mm-hmm. educating, and community activities, plus online. So give us a peek into some of the outreach, seasonal living activities that you teach and do. Sure, we do. Locally, I teach a, a lot of kind of canning uh, food preservation classes as well as uh, general cooking and I do some other natural uh, cleaning and body product classes, but the canning classes are hands down the most popular uh, courses I offer. And I I do that through our local community college, which is Flathead Valley Community College. But I also do it, um, you know, if if another group invites me, I've done it for a couple of community gardens and and other things. And those Mm -hmm. are just really wonderful experiences. I love to teach canning classes. It's just a, we do them in small groups and people come and we we walk through the whole process from beginning to end. We talk about, you know, how to inspect your jar for chips and how to process whether it should be a water bath or a pressure canner. And then we actually fill jars and we actually process them and we do a water bath and a pressure canning class. And it's just the most Very exciting cool. thing to me. So if anyone listening here it lives nearby to the Flathead Valley or in, in the Flathead Valley, how could they find out about these classes? Right. They could certainly look at the Flathead Valley Community College, uh, which is svcc.edu, and they have a continuing education program. And that's where my mm-hmm. classes through them are always listed, and they handle all of the registration and all of the details, and they're held on there. They have a special kitchen just for uh, these kinds of classes, and it's really a wonderful experience. The other thing people can always check is um, our farm website is two, spelled out, T-W-O, froghome.com, and uh, we list uh, other classes. We're doing one right now with Purple Frog Gardens where we teach. um, This last month we did infusions, and in September we're going to do a class on making soup stocks from scratch. And what we do is we take a, a tour. She calls it a garden, but she's a, a real farm, you know, 10, 20 acre farm. And we take a tour of the farm and then we pick from her farm freely, she loves, and then we go and cook in the kitchen. And it's a really wonderful time. And 
her and I are going to be doing a lot more of those classes coming up in the next year. We called them farm to kitchen classes this last year, and they were a ton of fun. And then on, I'm sorry. I said that's fantastic. Yeah, we really enjoyed those, and it's so fun and rewarding to me to like help someone who feels stuck or feels like they just can't. They sometimes people just need permission to play in the kitchen and know that it's okay. And that's what we do. We just give them permission. We just say, it's okay. You're not going to make something that's poisonous. It may not turn out the way you like necessarily, you know, in the kitchen when you're making a soup stock, but it will still turn out edible. I'm almost sure of that. So we give people permission to do that. And that's the greatest thing I think we do. And it's very rewarding to me to meet someone who comes into canning class and is terrified to pressure pan. And then a year later, I happen to see them somewhere and they're canning, you know, venison that their husband had hunted. And that's just an awesome experience. <laughs> yeah, you've made an investment in their life and helped open yeah. their eyes. And now look where they've gone. That is a beautiful thing. So that's for great. our listeners that are listening here today, I mean, we're talking about this concept, homespun seasonal living, where the home is the center. You have that place yes. to return to, to recharge, rejuvenate, to have that stability and you're also living seasonally with the earth and the opportunities around us and just, you know, spending more time indoors when it's dark, spending more time out of doors when it's light and warm. So if somebody's brand new to this idea of seasonal living, right. where, what would you, where do you recommend they would start? I mean, either just internally, mentally, thought process, And then practically speaking, what recommendations would you give to guide them on a path so they can encourage this kind of living? Right. I I think the first thing is to just kind of get in touch with your goals, how you, what, what it is that you want from a homespun seasonal life. Because it looks different for all of us, right? It doesn't, it's not going to look the same for me living on an ASA that it might be for someone who lives in an apartment in Manhattan. You know, it's going to be a very different thing. And, and neither one of those are right or wrong. Like that's really important. I think so often I, I see things where I feel like it's, they're saying there's only one way to kind of eat local or to live a seasonal life. And I don't think that's true. I think it's going to have to be very individual for what your home is. And I think a great way to do that, honestly, is to kind of either sit down with a journal or even make a collage and just kind of almost shut the brain off. Like don't overthink it. Just allow yourself to write free write or draw a picture or a collage. And you may be surprised at what comes out in there. And I think once you have that, once you have a some sort of concrete goal and just one or two, not a hundred of them. You know, if the goal is, say, to just experience nature as it's presented to you, then maybe the practical step to that is just to make sure you get out into nature once a day or, or twice a week or, you know, whatever can fit into your life to really get out and experience it wherever it is for you. If it, if you happen to live on a hundred acres in the middle of nowhere, maybe it is just walking around your land. If you happen to live in a, a small town that, you know, you have to go a little ways, but maybe just walk around the park or just walk around your neighborhood and take it, take a look an inventory of how things change. Maybe not day to day, but certainly week to week and month to month. You know, so find out what it is for you personally that's most important and then have an action step to that. And and it's not as difficult or huge as it it might seem in that you can just pick one little thing 
and work towards it. And once you kind of get there to whatever that thing is, you pick something else. And that doesn't mean that you let the other thing go, but it's probably become a routine and it's part of your life once you kind of achieve it. And then you can move on to the next, whatever the next thing is and your main goal for seasonal living. I think that's the best way to do it is really just get in touch with what you want and then create a small little action plan. And I don't mean, you know, like Excel spreadsheet action plan. I just mean something very simple in a little journal or on a little notepad or even Mm -hmm. on a chalkboard just to kind of help you stay focused on what that goal is. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Kathy. We are at the end of our time. So before we go, I just want you to give us – some ideas of where we can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, please do uh, visit thehomespunseasonalliving.com. That's where I blog, and there's a spot there where you can sign up for my newsletter, and I've got a few little workbooks, and I do offer some seasonal living online classes where we get together and have some fun, and there's plenty of recipes and all kinds of seasonal resources on the blog for you, as well as where to find me on social media, which I, I love to talk with everyone. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Kathy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Kathy and all of you for being here today. It's a great blessing, as always, to visit with you and talk about homesteading and life and growth and living with the seasons. And this episode has been particularly inspiring for me. And I would love to hear from you in the comments at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 84, what was particularly inspiring to you? Or maybe as you're thinking through Kathy's advice to start seasonal living, what, um, what came to your mind as something that you can do to start living that way? Because she she just said to brainstorm on an idea that you can carry out and it doesn't have to be fancy, um, just in your head, just however you can do it. So share what came to mind and what you're going to pursue for how to embrace more homespun seasonal living. A few reminders here. Questions can be submitted at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions. I love to hear from you and I take at least one question on the air every week. So please do submit your questions. Um, Show notes, ratings, or the show notes are at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 84. And to subscribe to Know Your Food with Wardy, all you need to do is look it up in iTunes or Stitcher or the podcast app, you can search for Know Your Food with Wardy. If you want to go right to it on iTunes right now, that's I, that's uh, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, you can subscribe, you can leave a rating or review. I do love to hear from you. And the more you interact with my show on iTunes, the more other people can find it. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to sign off here by saying God bless you all. Thanks so much for joining me. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon.